Would you please stand with us this evening and let's worship the Lord. Oh, love. 
friends of God in the house tonight? Man, hallelujah. Welcome back to the evening service here at Stratford. We've had a wonderful day today, a wonderful day of worship. And don't you think Pastor Cameron did a good job this morning preaching about the family? It's an awesome message, awesome message. We're looking forward to Sister Liz sharing about the family tonight. We're in a series this weekend and next weekend. It's all focused on the family. And I know for one, I'm being blessed. So let's get out in the aisles, shake hands, and welcome each other to church tonight.
splendor of a king clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice let all the earth rejoice he wraps himself in light darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice trembles at his voice how great is our God sing with me how great is our God Oh, sing how great, how great is our God. See, age to age, and age to age, he says, time is in his hands, beginning and the end.
special need that you'd like to receive prayer for right now is that time.
couple of needs today that we want to pray about specifically before we go on with the rest of the service. It was a great message this morning from Cameron, great word. You didn't know it maybe, but he wasn't feeling really well. He was actually feeling really sick, and tonight he's home resting, trying to get better because uh, he walked away from here this morning, and he was like, man, I don't feel good. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. So uh, we want to pray for him, that God will bless him and help him to get better. That God will touch him. Also, we want to pray for Dewey Blankenship. He had a surgery this past week, and he's waiting on some tests and some things that's going on in his life. And there's, is there any other specific needs that you would just say, hey, will you pray, pray with me, pray about my need? Any hands that need to go up? Look around, see all those hands? Man, almost everybody. We're going to pray. We're going to pray specifically for those two needs, and we're going to pray for your needs that you've raised up. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, you're aware of every situation, every hand that was lifted up. God, you know exactly where we are. You see 
those that have to have surgery. You see those that, that need a miracle with a, with a marriage or those that have lost loved ones. God, you see everything thing in every situation that everybody's in. God, we pray tonight that you would just move and minister specifically in every hand, in every life and situation. God, specifically tonight, we pray that you would touch Dewey Blankenship, that you would help him. God, just begin to minister to his body and his life and help him as he faces all these physical issues. We just pray that you would get the glory and God, that you would bring the miracle you want to. And we pray for Cameron. We pray that you would bless him tonight. What a wonderful word. God, that you gave him to give to us today. What, what insight, what wisdom, just wonderful. God, I pray that, that just for the sake alone of what he's done for us, I pray that you bless him back a million fold and you touch him and minister to him tonight and help him to feel better. Heal him and raise him up, Lord. Just be with us for the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. We are gonna go on. Give you a time to worship the Lord with your time, tithes and offering be a blessing to the church. We appreciate it. I made mention today, and I'll, I'll just say this really quick. Uh, we are going to be ministering to our community here in just a couple of weeks, and we are looking for people to uh, help us out with that. There's going to be hundreds, literally thousands of people here in a couple of weeks out on the parking lot, November the 2nd for Family Fun Fest, and uh, we need people to have smiling faces and great personalities, people that are willing to run a booth or pass out candy, just all kinds of different things. We're looking for people to help us out. You can sign up out here at the table if you're willing and ready to move and be a part of, of God's Hands Extended. We, we also need uh, just bags of candy that we can pass out. We also need cans of pop that, we can, uh, that we're gonna be selling. And also we're looking for people to do uh, a trunk for trunk or treat. Simply all you do is pull up in a parking place, open your trunk lid, decorate it like something, and stand there and pass out candy, and it's going to be a huge blessing. But if you're interested in any of those things, we'd ask you to come by the table, sign up, and uh, be a blessing. We want to be a blessing to people. We want people to get saved. Amen? We want to reach our loved ones. We want to reach a community and be a blessing, and that's what that day is going to be about. Well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we honor you and thank you once again for providing and forgiving for us. God, there's so many situations in our life, Lord, and you provide for them all. God, you give us health, and you, you bless us with food and roofs over our head, and probably the best thing ever, God, you've provided us with you in the relationship. God, I pray that you would bless and minister and touch our hearts and our lives, God, that we would give, not only in just the offering as it goes to ministries here in our church, it goes to people's hearts and lives, but God, I pray that you would bless and minister outside and when we do this family fun fest lord and and just have your way and your will in our church in every heart and every life god i pray that you would bless our people bless our church and let your will be accomplished and done lord in jesus name amen
church without the Spirit of God, are we? Let's just raise our hands and thank Him before you're seated tonight. Father, we thank you for every song that's been sung tonight. We do hunger for an outpouring of your Spirit, Lord. We know that we can do all things through you because you strengthen us, Lord. Thank you for those that have come tonight, every person that's here. Lord, we pray you would continue to minister to every need. Thank you because you're on your throne and we trust you tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you. good to see you here tonight. Cameron was so sorry that he couldn't be here. He called and said he's having trouble breathing. and He didn't know if it was uh, uh, allergies or his um, problems with his lungs. This, this valley is tough on people that haven't lived here. They don't know what's going on with them, but we know God will touch him and help him. And we want to keep our pa pastor in prayer. Those are away uh, this week and that God will touch them and help them to rest and have a good time. You know, it's important to get away. I know that. So uh, we want to continue to pray for them. Okay. Can you hear me better? Is that better? Okay. All right. Who was it used to say, can you hear me now? Somebody used to say that all the time. And um, I was just thinking tonight when I looked out and saw so many young people here, and I thought, you know, they're not, they're not married, but they're going to be married. And if the Lord tarries the next five to ten years, you'll probably all be married in five or ten years from now, and you'll have families of your own. But right now you're probably still at home with your family. And um, we've got people here that have several brothers and sisters some that are just a couple, they don't have any children, or if they do, they're already grown and away from home. But we have a lot of things that go on in families, and um, so each one is unique. I grew up in a family of a, with a mom and dad. Mom, my mother was a full-time homemaker, and my dad worked. And uh, then we had uh, five, I had five brothers and sisters, three boys and three girls. And... Uh, my mom and dad both were raised in Christian homes, but they never took us to church. And we moved into a good neighborhood in Indiana where we lived, and those ladies took us to church. And that's how I found uh, out about God and how to serve God and how to live for him. My neighbors would come over and take me to Sunday school in the morning, and then finally we got my other sister and brother, the younger ones, to go. But the older ones were like 14, 15, 16, and they were past the age they wanted to go to church. So they felt like they didn't need the Lord, you know. But God was good to the three youngest ones of us, and we all accepted the Lord. And uh, then we, we moved to Ohio, and uh, I didn't know anything about Pentecost. And I found, met a girlfriend, and she went to a Pentecostal church. And I think you've heard me tell that you can't believe how surprised I was the first service I went. I was spellbound. I mean, I couldn't believe that people called that church. Everybody was up on their feet praising the Lord. And when they sang, they clapped their hands. I'd never been to a church where they clapped their hands. They clapped their hands when they sang. I thought that was great. 
but I just, it was all new to me. And so when uh, we got out in the car, I said to my girlfriend, I need you to tell me some things about your service. And she said, well, what do you want to know? And I started asking her all the questions I had. Well, what was that jabbering going on? She said, well, that was people that are speaking in tongues. She said, that's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And she was so kind and such a good teacher. And we got our Bibles out and read and studied. And I'll tell you, I have not been the same since. I have not been the same since. It's been an exciting journey to serve the Lord. And I'm so thankful to report that uh, out of my family, when we moved to Ohio and I started going to a Pentecostal church, all of my family got saved before they died. There were six children. Thank God. And that was a heavy load to carry as a young person uh, for not, nobody in my family to be a Christian. And they just didn't understand why I changed so. And I used to argue with them. We, my dad said we could all, six of us kids could have been lawyers because we could argue our case so good. But uh, I used to argue with them about things, and I quit all that. And then uh, my mother had said, don't you ever let me hear of you being up shouting and praising the Lord and running around the church. She said, now, I'll run you off from home if I ever hear that. And I thought, well, I didn't know what to think, and it really got my uh, spirit stirred up. So I told my girlfriend what she said, and she said, well, you, you just come on to church, and the Lord will help you. So we had a young people's prayer meeting on a Thursday night. And um, I have, was so hungry to get more of God. And uh, yet I was scared that my mom would. I was about 15 or 16, I guess I was 16. And uh, I, I was afraid. I thought, where would I go and stay if she made me leave home? That really was what the devil used to scare me. She wouldn't have run me off. She wasn't like that. But she made me think she would. So sometimes that's half in, in, in doing, uh, working with your children is you know that you're not going to beat them to death, but sometimes you want them to think you are. <laughs> so they'll, they'll uh, line in and uh, be obedient. But uh, the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost in a, a young people's prayer meeting. There was 14 of us there. And, and I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and, and I went home. And I didn't tell my mom for a day or two, but I just couldn't keep it. I thought, no, I've got to testify about this. So I, I told her, and she started crying. She said, you know, when I was a young person, I went to a Pentecostal church too. And my mom and dad were always Baptists, and she said, they wouldn't let me go back. She said, I wanted to pray and everything, and I thought what they were doing was right. But she just poured out her heart then. And it wasn't long after that, maybe five or six years, when I left and, and met Virgil. Oh, I met Virgil on the way to, uh, after, I, after I got um, the Holy Ghost, his family all were Pentecostal, so I didn't have to go through any of that. But it was wonderful to go to his house because all his family were Christians, and he had just come home from the service. And I told you that I met him. I worked in a restaurant, and he came in one evening. I went with his cousin. We went after church. To, instead of Frisch's, we went to, over to Lebanon to a restaurant. And... Um, we were there, and she opened, the, the door opened, and these two guys come in, and she said, oh, that's my cousin. He's getting home from the service. He's been gone for two years. And so um, I said, oh, really? She said, yeah, and I had to go over in the next room to get something from my boss because that's where I worked on the weekend, and he was going to give me my schedule. So as I went by where he was sitting, 
he whistled at me. And you know, that was brave back then. But it was kind of a low whistle. It wasn't loud. And um, so when I got back, I told my girlfriend, I said, your cousin whistled at me. She said, I'll tell you what, we'll go around and meet all the family. So we did, and she introduced me. And uh, he was real nice. And he came back then later to, to the restaurant and wanted me to wait on him. And it's a long story, but it was wonderful. It, did end one, it ended wonderful. We dated almost two years and got married, and he came back to the Lord. He'd been serving the Lord and went in the service and got a little cool off, and so he came back and got on fire for the Lord. Honey, stand tonight and let everybody see you over here. Most of the people know you, but I want you to stand. He wouldn't say anything. I tried to get him to come up and say something. Stand up. I love you. Thank you for being so patient and good to me. Thank you for all your kind things you've done for me over the years. Well, let, let's look today in the Proverbs, the 15th chapter, or the 18th chapter, verse 21 and 22. It reads, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit therein. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a, yeah, good thing. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. So you guys, if you find a wife, that's a good thing. Just pray a lot, the Lord will give you the right one. Um, the scriptures talk about, in Ephesians 5, rejoice with the wife of your youth. And in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, I would like to read starting at verse uh, 16. Ephesians 5, 16. And some of these scriptures are going to be for how we treat each other and uh, what the Lord has to say, starting at verse 19. Talk with each other much about the Lord. He's talking to the church. We need to talk about the Lord, quoting psalms and hymns and singing sacred songs, making music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks, to, thanks in, for everything to our God and Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Honor Christ by submitting to each other. You wives must submit to your husband's leadership in the same way you submit to the Lord. For a husband is in charge of his wife in the same way that Christ is in charge of his body, the church. He gave his very life to take care of it and be its savior. So you wives must willingly obey your husbands in everything just as the church obeys Christ. And you husbands, Show the same kind of love to your wives as Christ showed to the church when he died for her to make, his holy, make her holy and clean, washed by baptism and God's word so that he could give her to himself as a glorious church without a single spot or wrinkle or any other blemish, being holy and without a single fault. This is how husbands should treat their wives loving them as parts of themselves. For since a man and his wife are now one, a man is really doing himself a favor and loving himself when he loves his wife. No one hates his own body, but lovingly cares for it, just as Christ cares for his body, the church, of which we are parts. That the husband and wife are one body is proved by the scripture which says, 
A man must leave his father and mother when he marries so that he can be perfectly joined to his wife. And the two shall be one. I know this is hard to understand, but it is an illustration of the way we are parts of the body of Christ. So again I say, a man must love his wife as part of himself, and the wife must see to it that she deeply respects her husband, obeying, praising, and honoring him. Let's ask God to bless his word. Thank you, Lord, tonight for your word. We know it's truth. Lord, it is light to lighten our pathway. And we thank you tonight that we can look into it and see how to live and to please you. And we thank you for every person that's here tonight, Lord. May they be edified in their spirits and in their minds to see that you have a special purpose for all of our lives, that together we all make up the body of the church. And you love the church and you gave yourself for us. Bless every home that's represented here tonight now, Lord. Supply the needs, we pray. And bless it and take care of every person that's sick again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I think, has anybody ever seen the Mississippi or the Missouri River? Anybody ever been far enough west? You've seen it. You know when you get to St. Louis, that that's where the, the huge Mississippi River meets with the Missouri River. And upstream, before you get into the town, those two rivers come together. And there is crashing and splashing and roaring and all kinds of turmoil when those two rivers come together. A lot of action going on because they're merging into one river. And if you follow that and go on down the road and, and, and go past where the, that meeting is, maybe half a mile or a mile, you will see that it's huge, bigger than it's ever been. It's flowing now. There's no crashing, no splashing. It's flowing together as one large body. And it serves a great purpose in the United States. I think it's the fifth largest river in the, in the world. So it's a large body of water that is made up of two bodies. Now that's kind of what marriage is about. When you, two people come together, they come together to join together in union, and they're there to uh, do God's will and serve the Lord and have a family and uh, help, help strengthen a nation, be strong. Good, a good nation that is strong is a nation that has good homes. Good parents that love their children and train them. The Bible said that Jesus made this statement in John 10, 10, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And of course, the verse we all love, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That was a key verse that helped me to know how to pray when I was praying for my loved ones. Because the devil would tell me, oh, they're too mean, they're not going to get saved. And I prayed this, this verse so many times when I would pray for my lost loved ones. Sometimes you need to know how to pray 
a conviction on your loved ones. And I would pray, Lord, don't let a one of my loved ones go to hell and be lost. And then I would say, I know, God, you said in your word that you love the whole world. And I was troubled, and then I found this verse, and I realized that it was a promise that I could pray, that it was not God's will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. That means your family, all your brothers and sisters, all your friends, the people you go to school with, the people you work with. It's God's will that all the people of the world be saved. And God doesn't want a one to be lost. So don't let the devil tell you. How many has ever had the devil to say to them, oh, your family's too, they're too mean to get saved? Did, he, did the devil ever tell you that about your loved ones? Yes. He told me that several times. He said they're not going to get saved. They wouldn't have nothing to do with God and religion. But you know, I would get to that verse, and when I'd start praying and seeking God, I would just pour out my heart and I'd say, God, you said in your word that it wasn't your will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. So I just claim them, Lord, for you. And that would take the worry off. God wants us to have faith, but not to worry. You know, there's a difference in having faith in what God said and worrying about things. But uh, in our Sunday school class today, I asked um, the class, I said, I want you to tell me about your home. What goes on in your home, uh, this special place where you live? And um, here's some of the, the answers that I got. One said, it's paid for, the roof doesn't leak, and my garden is beautiful with the flowers. Another one, I told him to put down three things. One of them said, there's plenty of room in my house. It has two fireplaces, and it's peaceful, and there's lots of love. Another one said, it warms me when it's cold. It cools me when it's hot. It uh, dries me when it rains. It surrounds me and holds me out of and keeps me from the cold. One said, I have peace in my home and love, and it's clean. That sounded like a good housewife, didn't it? A home of peace. We see the, the pre-believers. We see um, it's paid for. It's the house is paid for. That's good. There's several of them. Of course, uh, we have the older people in our class, and some of them have their homes paid for, and they, re they re just rejoice over that. It's a good feeling, isn't it, not have to send a house payment in every month. That is a good feeling. That's one of your goals you ought to work toward, getting your house and get it paid for. Another person said, in my home, there's laughter. At dinner time, when we talk about the highs and lows of our days, it's fun. And there's comfort in the quiet of our home. So then a while back I asked a, a, a group, and I kept these too, so I wanted to read these. It's advice. What kind of advice would you give to young people who are not married or real young married couples? So I thought this would be good if I shared this. Include God in all your decisions. Family, finance, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Talk over all the hurt feelings until your heart feels right. That helps us to not pout and get mad, doesn't it? I hope there's nobody in your home that's got a bad spirit and gets mad and pouts at everybody and, and talks real mean and hateful. I don't think that that would go on here. Learn to forgive, to say I forgive you. Hard feelings builds hard hearts, and that destroys. Don't depend on your spouse to make you happy. 
Find your happiness, peace, a completeness in Christ. Pray for the sweet gift of kindness. Keep quiet when you want to argue. Keep quiet when you want to argue. Did you write this, Virgil? <laughs> no, this is not your handwriting, honey. Keep quiet when you want to argue. Live simple and stay out of debt. This is one Virgil wrote. Listen to your parents, you young people, all you young people. He said somebody told him when he was young he wanted to come to my house to see what kind of a homemaker my mother was and to see how our place looked. He said, I wanted to see if y'all were clean. His family was fanatically clean. They had 12 children, but they were so clean you felt uneasy if you got things messed up around their house. But that's what he wanted to see. Then somebody else said, always let God be the head of you, your head. Choose your battles. Don't argue about every little thing. Save something good late for later on that really deserves some discussion. Don't bicker over every little thing that's said. Save your battle. Choose your battles. Marry for life and work everything out. Love, honor, and respect. Always go to church together and stay close to the Lord. Don't take more from the marriage than you give. That's good, isn't it? Listen to your parents. They have been that way before. Choose friends wisely. Don't keep score when they do wrong. You know, you, I washed the dishes the last time or whatever you want to say. Don't keep score. Say, no, two times you've done that. <laughs> Virgil's pretty good to keep score. If I mess up or do something wrong, Liz, that's the second or third time you've done that. <laughs> you need to change. It's not anything bad, but he just, he's pretty close. He's kept me straight all these years. says, you must pray and really believe for who you will marry. This is to the young people. Remember, you both came from, come from different environments, a praying family or a griping, a complaining family. Allow God to show you your, who to marry and st or stay single. Continue praying to bring you the right Christian person or single person. Settle your differences quickly. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, for that is when the enemy comes in and blows it all out of proportion to bring a division between the two of you. So those, that's pretty good advice. Pretty good advice. If Jesus were here tonight in our service, I think one of the first things that he would say to us in, about our homes and things is that we need, to, we need to feel an urgency to pray and seek the Lord for their salvation. Encourage them that it's time for Jesus to come. Encourage people that you love that aren't saved that it's time for Jesus to come. He said to watch and pray. Pray always in, pr in prayer with supplication, for we know not what hour our Lord will come. And Jesus said he knew we would see times like this. When you turn on the news and watch it, doesn't your heart get troubled? And don't you wonder what people do that don't have the Lord? Don't you wonder how they cope with life and with all the problems that we face because they don't have God? I do. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Stay as close to God as we can. Men's hearts will be failing them for fear, for looking after things that are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. So we want to keep our minds and hearts set 
on the coming of the Lord. Now let's talk about some everyday things we can do in our marriage. We talked about having a little fun and romance in marriage. Well, the more the merrier, the more the better. You know, I'm married for life. I don't know about you all. I don't know what your decision was, but um, I never wanted to leave Virgil over two times. But there were two times. <laughs> there were two times that I deeply thought about it. <laughs> I did. I really did. I thought, and I had our first son, and because uh, I was happy, he provided for me. He was loving and good, but he just—I uh, forget what he did now. Isn't that something? I was going to leave him, but I forget what he, what he said or did. He said something that hurt my feelings. And so I thought, my mom told me when I left home, you know the first thing, the last thing she told me? Honey, if he's not good to you, you know what she said? Come back home. Don't ever tell one of your children. How many of you have children that aren't married yet? Don't ever tell your children that. When they get married, say, now this is for life. Mom planted in my heart that if things didn't go like I thought they should, to come home. So what I did, I thought, I'll just wait till in the morning until he goes to work. I'll pack me some clothes and I'll go home. So I got some things fixed for my uh, baby and, and got uh, a few things fixed for myself. And I thought, well, maybe I better pray before I leave here because I don't know what Mom will say when I get there and so forth. So I got down on my knees to pray and I said, Lord, you know, how mean Virgil's been to me. And I just poured out my heart to the Lord. I was sincere. I mean, it sounds funny now, but it was, it was such a little thing because I was immature. And when we first get married, we're very immature. We don't know how to discuss things without arguing. And we, uh, we get little chips on our shoulder and we have all kinds of little attitudes. And that's not pleasing to the Lord. And until I saw that, when I got down on my knees that morning, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you have promised to love and obey this man, and this is your home, and the devil is trying to destroy you. And I heard the Lord say that to my spirit, and I thought, oh, God, I don't want nothing to happen to my home. I want it to stay together. And the Lord said, then unpack your clothes and don't say anything about it. And that's what I did. I never mentioned a thing. When Virgil came home, I was just happy. And, and I was so thankful that I had learned to pray and let the Holy Ghost talk to me. You know, it saves you so much heartache when you listen to the Holy Ghost. It's just like dating the wrong guys or dating the wrong girls. When, when you see a person and you think, oh, that's the person I want. When you get around them and you see how maybe how hateful they are or maybe they got bad habits and you'd be ashamed of them if, if to introduce them to your parents then what you ought to do is listen and just, uh, what do they call it, just say goodbye and, and get out and take off. And if they call you, don't answer the phone. I mean, I tell my boys, I used to tell my boys all the time when the girls would call them. Girls aren't supposed to call the boys, but they do. So anyway, we just have to watch and pray and keep things in, in the proper perspective. Keep our minds set on things above and not on things of this earth. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So one of the things we want to do in our homes is we want to learn to compliment each other. Think how many times in the Bible that God tells you that he loves you. 
Every time you read a chapter almost, it tells about God's love. It tells about how much he loves us. And then what God wants us to do in our families, he wants us to compliment each other. Don't talk mean to your children and tell them they're never going to amount to anything. Always praise them. I love the uh, Orange Program and all the things we do in our nurseries from the time the children are little. They learn, and, and probably in a nursery class, they'll say 20 times before they leave, Jesus loves me. I'm a child of God. They have all these little Bible verses that they say. And by the time they're two or three, they know that God loves them. But you know, when some people get married, they've never had a home or a family that complimented them. Every day you should compliment your, sp your spouse or your children. Just tell them thanks for being there on time or just the least little things, bring it in the newspaper. Don't take for granted what your spouse does or your children. Be appreciative and compliment them. And then not only compliment them, but pray for them every day. We all know to do this, and we do. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's no power like prayer power. God, the Lord's prayer sometimes is a good way to start. If you don't like to pray out loud, pray that out loud. The Lord's prayer out loud as you're going in the car or as you're on your way to school or you're working on your job, learn to pray the Lord's Prayer. And as you pray that, you learn to see what God was talking about when he wanted us to be forgiving, when he wanted us to praise him and serve him. So learn to pray every day and pray together. Now, if you're not used to praying together as a couple or as a family, what you could do is just get together and one of, just one of you lead in prayer. And as you learn to pray, everybody will pray. Then you can get on your knees together and everybody can have their own prayer. And it's wonderful to learn how to pray. Some people never do that. But we need to pray every day for our spouse and our children. Do you agree? Amen. And then uh, one other thing uh, that's really important is go on a date once a week. This is for the married couples. Uh, everybody deserves two or three hours out without the kids. Now, I know some people say, oh, I, you would, I, you wouldn't, I couldn't get a babysitter. Yes, you could if you planned for it. If there was something special going on, you could. Once a week, start with the women. Let them plan the first date. And then the next week, let the man plan the date. And uh, you, you could just say, Virgil will say, now, what are we going to do on our date this week? Our boys used to come home from school and say, Mom, where are you and Dad going on your date this week? And I'd tell them, because we were used to doing that. We always talked about we was going on our date. And, and I, we used to have one of the girls from church come over and, and babysit with them if we went out in the evening. Sometimes we'd just go out for lunch. Sometimes we'd just go for a walk. If you're broke and don't have a lot of money, just get out and take a walk. Everybody needs the exercise before it gets real cold. Take a walk. You don't have to do anything big, or it doesn't have to cost a lot of finances. Go out on a date once in a while. And when you go on the date, don't talk about the bills and all the problems with Junior and all the things that's going on that's negative. Don't bring that up at your date. That's a no-no. When you get out, you say, honey, how have you been feeling? And then you could talk and say, how's our... And you talk about the finances. You don't talk about the bills. You talk about the things that's important to each other the little things you used to do when you went on a date. When we, 
and we went on our first two dates. I remember I had gone with a guy and we broke up and I was all weepy and crying and Virgil, he listened the first time and you know, I said, oh, he did me wrong and all this. And he said, well, that's too bad. He said, well, we just forget about him. So the next night I said something else and he made a remark and he said, listen, we're going to talk about this right now and then don't bring his name up anymore. Because I'm, I'm not out to please him. He's gone, right? I said, yeah. So I didn't talk about him anymore. But he, we want, he wanted to spend time with me. And people are like that. They want to be special. So you compliment your spouse or your wife and keep yourself looking nice. Don't, don't, if you don't have to leave and go to work, I know if you go to work, you get up and clean up and fix up and so forth. But don't wear your pajamas all day. Don't go with your hair uncombed. Get up and fix up. Do you know why? Your spouse goes to work and everybody at work is all sharped up. There's a lot of pretty women that just dress, especially to go out and see who they can find. They don't care if he's married. I'm telling you, the devil's out there working and he works in every little area he can. And, and you be sure that you stay as good looking as you can at home. Dress up for your spouse and look good for them. Get a shower and stay clean and get some cologne for Christmas and do all those little things that, oh, that really mattered when you were single. I'm not kidding. Some of you need to take time for yourself. You've waited on everybody else, all of you adults. Now it's time for you to have your time. And you, you take care of yourself. Once a week, you give your spouse a brand new compliment, something that you've never said to him, something that you have never said. And at the end of the year, there's 52 things I know that Virgil likes about me because he told me 52 weeks in a row something that he had never said before. It, it's important for us to do that. And you can bring your children's um, self-confidence up by complimenting them and doing things that will... Uh, help them to have comp more confidence. Now I want us to look just a few minutes for um, about laughter. It's good for us. You know it's like a medicine. Laughter is good. If people are happy and they laugh, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, the Bible said. But one completely broken in spirit and dejected will develop many bodily illnesses. Nothing ruins health more than grief, continual worry, anxiety, bad tempers, and malice. So the end of all this is bad. It's laughter. Laughter is God, it's bad. Laughter is God's medicine. When Israel started home from captivity, it says in Psalms 126, 1 through 6, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they among the heathen said, The Lord hath done great things for them. Let the joy of the Lord come out. There's 12 words that can change the atmosphere in your home. One is please. That even changes the atmosphere at work or in church. Or thank you or I'm sorry. How many of you know how to say I'm sorry? Yeah. Say it out loud. I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't you feel better after you say that? It's takes a lot of courage to say it before. But sometimes we need to say, I'm sorry. Every day we need to say, I love you to those that we have in our home. I'm praying for you. 
You know how important that is when we pray for one another. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we need to learn how to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Now there were ten families in the Bible, in the New Testament, where everybody in the family got saved. You know, there are, well, let's just see, take a little test here. In your current family, the people that live in your house or whatever, how many of you have a family that everybody's a Christian? Let me see. Okay, hands down. How many of you have loved ones that are close to you in your home or just around in the area and they're not saved? Let me see your hands. Okay. We all have unsaved loved ones. And that's where our concentration should be, is to pray for our unsaved loved ones. There was a nobleman, the Bible said in John 4:53, that the nobleman, when he came to Jesus, he said, my son is dying. And God had spoken to him, and it took him a long time because he went home. Jesus said to him, uh, your son liveth. And he noticed the time, and he started home. And the next day when he got home, so it was a good distance, I would say, this nobleman had confidence in Jesus, and he came to him, wanted him to come to his house. And Jesus just said to him, your son liveth. And when he got there, they met him. They came out from the house. Isn't it wonderful? When you're sick or suffering and God touches you or answers a prayer, you can't hardly wait to tell somebody. And on the way in, the man came close to his house and the people ran out and said, they said, Oh, your son is alive. And the Bible said he himself believed and his whole house were saved over one miracle of healing. Things that happen like healings and answers to prayer, that draws people to the Lord. Tell the good things that happen in our church. Don't go home and say anything bad that's happened in church. Just keep that and pray about it. Now, we don't, we don't know we're not a perfect church. We know we have problems that we have to work with sometimes. But we don't need to talk about that to other people. We need to say, did you know that so-and-so got healed in our service? We have people in our class that come in and they tell about how God has healed them or how he's answered prayer. And I go out and tell as many people as I can, did you know so-and-so got healed? I want people to hear the good things that God is doing. So anyway, the nobleman's house all got saved over the report of how God had healed his son. Then Cornelius' household. You remember how that God spoke to him and told him he was a man that loved God and he gave to the Jewish people and built them a synagogue. And he, the Bible said he was a godly man. But as he was praying one day, the Lord said, send down to, um, I forget where, the, Joppa, and get a man named Paul. Peter, it was Peter, wasn't it? Paul, Paul, okay. It was Paul, I get Paul and Peter all the time, so I pre, I, if I talk about you, know I, I mean the right one. They said, go down there and tell him to come to pray up here, that, that the Lord has sent you. So when he got there, Peter was up on the rooftop and he saw this vision of all these unclean animals and Jewish people didn't believe and have anything to do with them. And the Lord told him to rise and eat. And he said, well, Lord, I've never ate nothing unclean like that. And the Lord said, what I've cleansed, don't you call common or unclean. 
So he said, okay, and he said, now there's a man downstairs, some men downstairs, they're looking for you. Go with them and don't ask any questions. God was breaking that barrier wall of the Gentiles and the Jews, and he was letting those people find the Lord. So he came, and he went home with the, went to Cornelius' house. He said, send for, to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, and he shall tell thee the words whereby you and all your house shall be saved. Oh, doesn't that sound wonderful? To think that everybody in your house was going to get saved. Well, that's what they did. And Peter, when Cornelius, when Peter got there and uh, preached, started preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on those people on Cornelius' household. And those that uh, were there that were uh, praying and seeking God, they all received the Holy Ghost. And, and he took them out and baptized them. And the Bible said his whole house, his entire house was saved. And I think that when we're obedient, I looked through all of these stories to see what was it they did that brought God's convicting power to their families to cause them to pray. Because we need to look at things like that. It's conviction that seizes the heart of our loved ones. So with all the things that's happening in the world, don't you think this is a good time to be talking about Jesus coming back? With all of the terrible things that's happening and the plagues that are coming on the world, people are saying, well, this sounds so awful. I didn't think this could happen to us. But I'm telling you, it's going to get worse instead of better. And all of these, these things that are happening, it's so sad. So we need to keep our hearts and minds stayed on the Lord and be obedient to the Lord. And when God speaks to us to witness to somebody, then let's do it with all of our hearts. Then the Bible tells us in the 16th chapter of Acts that Lydia was a seller of purple. And she was down by the seashore. She must have had a business. She had a business, and it must have been down there. But uh, the apostles came down there and were preaching and teaching, and she heard them. And she invited them to her house. And the Bible said that they baptized all her and all her household. Her whole entire house got saved. That's three homes where everybody in the home was saved. How many did you say, you said that all, all the people in your family is a Christian? Let me see your hand. We got several that raised their hand that everybody in their family, their immediate family I'm talking about, are saved. So several of you have a, a family where everybody is a Christian. Well, Lydia, her whole household was saved. And then we love the story of the Philippian jailer how Paul was down in the jail and the earthquake came at uh, way in the night hours and the jailer, the doors swung open and the jail rocked and the jailer came out and he drew his sword and was going to take his life. And Paul cried out and said, do thyself no harm for we're all here. Praise God. They, were, they would have killed that jailer and took his life if he had let those prisoners escape. But then he called for a light and sprang in. And he came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out. And you know what he asked them? He didn't ask them, you want to go back to jail and get in this, let me lock you up. No, he said, sir, what must I do to be saved? Tell me how to be saved. You see, the miracle that God performed was followed up by his people who could testify about his saving grace. He said, what must I do to be saved? 
And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in your house. Baptize them all. And they rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. All the jailer's house got saved and baptized that night. That's number four. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God he knows how to save complete families. He knows how because most of us cried and prayed about all of our life for our loved ones. We want to see them saved, and that's the thing that causes a lot of people to worry and be anxious is because they know if Jesus comes, their family won't go. And then the Bible said there were several other, and I'll just quickly go through them. Justice in Acts 18, 7. He and his whole family worshipped and turned to the Lord, the Bible said. Crispus, who was written in about Acts 18th chapter and 8th verse, he said, believe on the Lord, and he believed on the Lord with all of his house. So that's six families where all of the household was saved. Then Aristobulus in Romans 16.10, one of the, prof, one of the uh, ministers was talking about his household and how they baptized his entire household. Then there was Narcissus. He was number eight, the household of Narcissus. And they all came to the Lord. There's scripture for every one of these where their whole household, the entire household was saved. Stephanus said, I baptized also the household, I, Paul did, by Stephanus. So his house was saved. Then number 10 was Onesiphorus in 2 Timothy 4, 19. Paul said, salute Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. And then Philip had four daughters that prophesied. He was in our Sunday school lesson today. He was an evangelist and he preached and people were saved. And he was a godly father. Lazarus and Mary and Martha was the home where Jesus often visited. Wouldn't you have liked to have gone with him one time to Martha and Mary and Lazarus' home and, and just observed what they did in their home, how they treated each other and what they did. Don't you know Jesus loved to go there? He did, but he, and he went to their home several times. So God is the one that brings conviction so that our loved ones can be saved. For, uh, again, I love this verse, and I say it so many times when we were praying here last week on Friday. Uh, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, we can take our minds and we can hold to the promises of God and quote them out loud every day and tell your loved ones, I'm praying for you. I call your name every day in prayer. And just let people know that you love them enough to pray for them. It touches people's hearts for you to pray, and especially if there's loved ones in your family that aren't saved. I wanted, to, um, I wanted to mention about the case of Lot's wife. Remember, Lot was married and had two daughters and his wife, and they lived in Sodom. And God visited Abraham. And you remember how they started, Abraham cooked for the angels that came. They started to leave, and he said, uh, let's go back and tell Abraham what we're going to do. And they said, we're going over to Sodom to see if it's as evil as they say it is. And we're going to destroy the whole city. And God, Abraham knew that his nephew Lot was there. And he said when he started to leave, 
he said, well, why don't you consider you're going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? That's a, a question that's been asked God sometimes that gets him to sometimes reconsider and help us with situations. He said, are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And he began to talk to uh, the angels and he said, um, what, if you found, what if you found 50 righteous over there? Would you destroy them? And, and he said, no, if I find 50 righteous people in Sodom tomorrow, I'll spare it. And you know how that he, he got to thinking and then he went down to 45 and you know how the numbers kept dropping and he got down to uh, 10. Every time he changed because he knew how wicked that city was. He knew it was so wicked that everybody talked about it. And Lot pitched his tent there, and he and his wife and two daughters lived there. And uh, I, know we know, I know that saddens Abraham's heart because Lot went there, but he chose the well-watered plains toward that way. And so uh, he went, the Bible says he went to the city in uh, uh, Genesis 19 and 27, and it said that, the angels came down to where Lot was. And do you know that Lot's wife is the only woman in the Bible that God said to remember? He said in, in the New Testament, uh, in Luke 17, 32, remember Lot's wife. And, and I've studied about her to see why would the Lord want us to remember her? And here's what I've come to the conclusion. You probably can get something else, but this is what I thought about. When the angel came and said, you've got to leave because God's going to destroy the city, uh, they were lingering on, trying to, Lot was trying to work out a deal to go to a different place than what they had uh, called. Where's the girls going to play the piano for closing? Okay, one of you girls. Okay, because I'm going to close in just a minute. There you are, Tracy. I couldn't find you. So he said, um, uh, when Lot uh, was trying to get them to uh, leave, the angel said, come on, we got to get out of here. And he said, uh, well, he tried to work out different situations, and the next morning then they said, we have to leave because there's something terrible going to happen here. So they all four, there's two girls, Lot and his wife, they all four left the city holding hands with an angel. There was two angels, and they each one got one of the family and held to their hand to leave them out of the city. And he said, now don't look back. If you look back, you'll turn into a pillar of salt. They knew exactly what they were supposed to do. I've never been that close to an angel but I know God sends them to take care of his children sometimes and to, to do great things but this was a home that Abraham had prayed for he said now God if you get over there and you just find tea and you spare that city because he's thinking about Lot and his daughters and they got up and they the angel said we got to get out of here now and they took their hand and they said, now don't look back. And as they left the city holding hands with an angel, they were so close to being outside away from the danger and the destruction that was coming on that city because God sent fire and brimstone down on it and burned it up. 
she was so close. She had her family with her, her husband, and here these angels had come all the way from heaven. <laughs> and she turned around and she looked back. She disobeyed God. I'm telling you, in these closing hours of time, we need to obey God's voice. And we need to live as close as we can to God. We don't need to mess around with the world. Don't take a chance on anything that you think is wrong. Shun evil. Just shun evil and stay away from it. And remember Lot's wife. She was so close, yet she lost out. She was holding hands with an angel and her children and her husband was with her. But she looked back. Don't look back to anything this world offers. Young people, don't you look back to any relationship that's gone now because God probably worked that out for you to get free from that. Don't look back to things that you left that kept you tore up and worried and everything. Don't look back to anything that God gets out of your life and gives you something better. Don't look back to the sin of this world because it will only entangle you and cause you to be overcome with the things of this world. Let's stand all over the building tonight. The Bible says that Abraham got up early the next morning to the place where he stood before the Lord and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plains. And lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plains that God remembered Abraham. Don't you ever forget the power of prayer. God remembered Abraham's prayers, how he pled with him to spare the city. You can pray and pray and not be weary because God hears your prayers. There's power in prayer and power for your family and your loved ones. Don't you give up on a one. I don't care if they're in jail and they've done everything they could wrong and stole your money. I talked to a lady who, who comes to this church the other day to try to get her in church and she said, oh, she said, my daughter stole my car and I had $500 hid and she got my $500. And I said, what'd you do? She said, I called the police on her. You just don't know sometimes. The things that people go through when there's drugs in the family and people are mixed up in the world. And I just prayed with her because I didn't know what else to tell her. You know, you just, it's, it's a, a rough road to hoe when you've got people that's bound by the things of this world. But God can loosen them. I tell you, God's power is greater than the power that's in this world. God sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow because of Abraham's prayers. So don't forget the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Keep the prayer going in your home. Don't ever stop praying, but hold on to God and have you a set time where you pray. Keep you a list of names if you need to to remember who to pray for. And call on God because God is faithful. He will move on our behalf as we pray and seek Him. So God loves us tonight. And I want you to know that when we read and we talk about and we see marriage and the family, 
that that is like a giant thread that runs through scriptures and it com is compared to God's relationship to his people. The human institute of marriage is so special and God wants us to serve him just like we're married to him now because we are married to him. The first wedding was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And it was beautiful and God brought Eve to Adam and they were married. But the, the next marriage that's going to happen is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's all of us who are washed in the blood. All the redeemed of all ages are going to make up the bride of Christ. And it's going to be a glorious wedding. It's going to be a one that we'll be with where we'll be with Jesus forever and ever. He's the bridegroom and we're going to be the bride. We have a lot to look forward to because we know that Jesus has it all planned and it's ready. Let's just bow our heads tonight. If there's anybody here that's not a Christian, you'd say, Liz, I, I need to pray and get my heart right with God. I need to pray so I can get my family saved and help them to be uh, right with God. And I want to pray tonight and give my heart to the Lord. I'm going to have us just come up and pray with families together before we leave. But if you're here tonight and you need Jesus to save you, you want him to come into your heart tonight before you leave, would you just slip your hand up while the church is praying? Time is short, and we want to make use of all the time we have, this service and every service that God gives us, all right? Now, what I want us to do, I want, us to, I want you to get with your family. And if you don't have anybody here, you just come on and you can get together with the church family because you've got two families here. And bring your, if your children are here or your spouse, come and let's stand all the way across the front here and we'll pray and we'll be dismissed then from the altar. So come right now and let's gather here to pray one for another and let the Lord touch our hearts tonight. So just come together. Everybody step out and come and let's pray. You don't have to have anybody to stand with you. Come by yourself if you're the only one in your family here. Because we want to pray for our homes, pray for our children and grandchildren that don't know the Lord. Just come in real close so we can all get in. Glory to God. Yes, that's it. Just get hands, join hands with somebody there. Because it's not God's will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. God wants to save all of our parents and our loved ones. Praise the Lord. Just come right on. That's it. Everybody get up here and then we're going to pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, tonight. Praise you, Jesus, tonight. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Come up here. I'm going to stay up here until I get here. Lord, we thank you tonight and we praise you that you've saved us. We honor you tonight, Lord Jesus, and we lift up our hearts and our loved ones. We lift up our families to you tonight, Lord. We pray that you would minister to every need here. Touch every mother and father and every son and daughter, every grandchild. Oh, Lord, lay your hand upon everyone that's here tonight. If we have loved ones that don't know you, we pray you'd send the Holy Ghost to convict them, Lord, to draw them to you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord, because you hear and answer prayer. Thank you tonight, Lord Jesus, because you hear and answer prayer. We love you, Jesus. We praise you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Savior. I want more of you, God.
Continuing to pray, we want to pray as a church as we go out of here for the week. We want God to be with us and be with our families. Pray that that tomorrow when you wake up, maybe even tonight when you go home, you think different about your spouse and your kids, and you just do something. There's a lot of times that we we talk a lot of great things in church, and, and Liz gave us tons of wonderful insight. There's a lot of good things that we we hear, and we're like, man, that's great. But there's sometimes that we don't like really apply them or just do something with them when we walk out of here. My prayer is and my hope is, my commitment is I'm going to do something different than, than what I did before tonight. I'm going to try that, try that new compliment once a week and stir up something new. You know, I'm going to do something that's going to make a difference. And I'm going to pray and ask God to help me to do that. And we're going to pray that God will help you, that he'll build strength in your home, that he'll anoint you and raise you up so that you're there for your family and you're an example to your extended family in this world. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we close out tonight, God, we go in your strength and in your grace, and we go in the inside and the wisdom that Liz has shared with us, and God, how you've touched our hearts through your spirit. God, we go moving and working in your great grace and great plan. Lord, you established the home And, Lord, we want you to establish it literally in our homes and in our lives. And, God, we want you to raise us up in strength. Anoint us and use us, Lord, to be the light to our families and to this world. We just give you praise and we give you honor tonight. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Liz, our associate pastor, for bringing the word. We want you to be blessed. Go. Go this week, be blessed. Be thinking of Family Fun Fest and how you can be a part of that. We want you to be blessed. Have a good night, and we'll see you this week.